headline from the New York Post this past November said, Fiona, the loneliest sheep, rescued from being stranded for two years. I don't have these kind of problems, but apparently there's a farmer in Scotland who does. And one of his sheep, which they named Fiona after the character from Shrek, wandered off one day. And she got stuck up on the cliffs in the Scottish Highlands. Now, there was water and grass up there, so the Fiona was able to stay alive, but rescue crews weren't able to get to her, and then they lost track of where she was. And so for two years, this sheep was on her own, stranded in the Scottish Highlands, until one day a kayaker was going down the river, looked up, saw this sheep up on a cliff, and took a picture. And they realized rescue crews could now get to where Fiona was. When they got to her, they had to shear her wool because it was in really bad condition. And the wool weighed 20 pounds. 20 pounds of wool on one sheep. But here's this sheep unwilling or probably more likely unable to come down on her own. Look at what the Bible says about you and about me. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. I don't know what caused Fiona to wander away in the first place, but here's what I do know. There's a little bit of Fiona in all of us. There's something in all of us that looks at God's path and goes, you know, I don't, I don't actually think I want to do that. I want to go my own way, and off we went. Interestingly, the Bible talks more about sheep than any other animal. It talks about cattle 131 times. It talks about dogs 41 times or so. It talks about eagles 26 times. How many times does the Bible mention cats? <laughs> Zero. Cats were a mistake. God regrets them very much. Now, I need to qualify that and say I'm just kidding because I will get an email from a cat person who's like, I'm leaving the church and they're going to be so upset about this. So you see, no, I'm, I'm nothing against cats, but you should know cats are not in the Bible. That part is true. What is mentioned over 500 times is sheep and shepherds because sheep speak to the human condition. Sheep need guidance. They need a shepherd and without a shepherd, they will tend to wander off on their own. So Isaiah says that all of us are like sheep. We have wandered and strayed away. I was listening to a message from another pastor, and he was telling a story about a flock of sheep that were living near a village in eastern Turkey. And they didn't have a shepherd, and so the lead sheep was kind of running this whole outfit. And one day, the lead sheep stepped off a cliff and fell to its death. And what do you think the rest of the flock did? They all stepped off the cliff and fell to their death as well. You'd think that some of the sheep in the back row, at least, would go, hold on a second, everybody. Something's wrong here. Everybody keeps stepping over the cliff and nobody's coming back. Let's put the hoofs down. Let's just talk about this for a moment. But they never did that. Instead, they looked around. They said, well, Sally went. And Pete went. Everybody else seems to be going. So it doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. <laughs> that was a dad joke. Thanks for laughing. That would have been awkward <laughs> if you hadn't laughed. But don't we do this as human beings? We tend to follow a crowd as well. 
we tend to look around and we go, well, Sally's stressed. Sally's overwhelmed. So I guess I'll sign my kids up for the same activities her kids are in. You know, Pete, Pete, he doesn't really care too much about God. He doesn't have a prayer life. He's flirting with temptation. He probably has an addiction. I think I'll hang out with Pete and do the things that Pete does. We tend to follow a crowd. That's why Jesus once said, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, every one of us needs a shepherd. And it kind of pings our ego and our pride a little bit to say that, but it's really true. In fact, some of you might be listening to this message and you might be saying, I'm not really a religious person and this is why. Because I don't want to be a sheep. I mean, I don't want to be one of those sheep that's just going off the cliff because some religious leader told me to do it. Yep, yep, that's why I don't follow religion or church. But here's what I would say to you. Our shepherd is whoever or whatever we are counting on to take care of us and to get us through life. In other words, the issue isn't are you religious or are you not religious The issue isn't, do you have a shepherd or do you not have a shepherd? The issue is, do you have the right shepherd? I know people who say, well, I'm not very religious. I'm not going to follow some religion or Jesus. And then you look at their life and you go, well, you're following your boyfriend and girlfriend. And you kind of do the things that they do. And if they go over the cliff, you're going over the cliff with them. And you follow your friend group and you follow culture and you follow what the people around you are saying to do. So so you actually, you do have a shepherd. The question is, is your shepherd going to get you through the most difficult moments in life? I got a handwritten note from a woman in our church years ago, and and she told me that when she was growing up, she went to a church that was very religious and there was a lot of man-made rules. She said, I never knew what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't understand the concept of grace. And she wrote in that letter, she said this, I turned away from God. But the further I pulled away from God, the more I lost myself. Underage drinking, going to clubs, needing validation from men to love myself. She later started to come back to God, but then her father was in a car accident and ended up dying. And she said, I was so angry at God. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you've just felt like, God, I am so angry right now. How how could this have happened? She spiraled to such a dark place. She said, I found myself on the bathroom floor contemplating taking my own life. And that's when God showed up. She said, as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, God was there to comfort me and to protect me. I felt his love and his presence in my life in such an unmistakable way, so much so that she recommitted her life to Christ. She started coming back to church, and she concluded her letter. She said, I know with God I can get through anything. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will walk through that valley at some point, Do you have a shepherd whose rod and staff will comfort you? Do you have a shepherd who's going to protect you and get you through that moment? In fact, let me ask you, anyone here today feel like you've wandered from God? Anyone feel like you've drifted away from God and you've left God's path to follow your own? Here's the really good news. Jesus said if there was a hundred sheep on this earth, 
and 99 of them were safely in the pen, and you were the one sheep out wandering, Jesus would leave the 99 and he would go search for you. He would go search for Fiona. He would go search for you. And not only would he search for you, but look at what Isaiah says in the next verse. He says, yet the Lord laid on him, that's on Jesus, the sins of us all. He says, we were like sheep. We wandered, we strayed, we ignored God, but Jesus took our sin. And God laid on him the sins of us all. My wife and I, when we go to a hotel room, we have very different approaches. <clears throat> Excuse me. My wife's approach is based on the fact that she watched one of these exposés where they take a black light into the hotel room. And they show you everything. Apparently, there's a lot of germs. Okay, there's a lot of bacteria. There's a lot of stuff growing in places you didn't know it was growing. And so when we get to the hotel room, my wife is like, do not touch the comforter. Like, just get that thing down to the end of the bed. If our kids are sitting on the floor, oh my goodness, get up, go wash your hands. Me, on the other hand, if one of my kids drops some food on the floor, five seconds. You got five seconds, throw it back at you're fine. I'm not bothered by the germs. I'm not bothered by the bacteria. Here's why. Because I can't see it. And sin tends to be the same way. I remember before I was a Christian, early in college, I just didn't see my sin. I didn't care about it. People would come to me and say, well, Jesus saved you from your sin. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't see it. It doesn't really bother me all that much. And then I started to read the Bible. And I started to read God's word. And it was like a black light to my soul. And it started to expose some anger that I hadn't seen. And it started to expose some selfishness that I didn't even know was there. And I remember getting to this point in my life where all of a sudden I was in awe that God had laid on him, laid on Jesus, the sins of us all. Here's what Jesus himself says. He says, I am the good shepherd. And my sheep recognize my voice. He says, I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and no one can snatch them out of my hand. I want to show you two truths right out of this verse. The first one is this. The shepherd knows the names of his sheep. We'll look again at the verse. He says, I know them and they follow me. John 10, 3, Jesus says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them. I love that it says he calls us by name. Because when you know someone personally, you call them by name. If you don't know them personally, you're just like, hey, you, come over here. But when you know someone personally, you use their name. Paul Dickinson is an author who researched names, odd names, unique names. He wrote a book about it called Names. And he wrote about some of the most unique names that he came across. And here was a few of the names of real people. These aren't made up. Phoebe Beebe was someone's name. April Rainey, that's creative. Adeline Dingledine and Seymour Butts. What is wrong with these parents? <coughs> I mean, it's bad enough your last name is Butts, but you don't have to name your kid Seymour. He found a psychologist whose name was wonderfully trembly. I'm not going to see that psychologist. 
And worse yet, he came across a urologist named Dr. P.P. Peters. If your name is P.P. Peters, you can do whatever you want with your life except one thing. You cannot be a urologist. But this got me thinking, what name does God call us? Because the Bible says that when you come to faith in Christ, you receive a new name. The new name we receive is you are a child of God. You are a friend of God. You are an heir of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. You may have carried with you labels your whole life. You may have gone through your life and thought, I'm unlovable. That's just a name that you carried for yourself, a label you carried for yourself. You may have thought you're unforgivable or you're not good enough. You need to know today that there is a God who knows your name and he calls you personally. Here's the second truth I want you to see from this verse. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. So look again at the verse. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep recognize my voice. Now, maybe this goes without saying, this is actually fairly obvious, but the closer you are to the shepherd, the easier it is to hear his voice. The further away you get from a shepherd, the more difficult it is to hear his voice. In fact, there may come a point when you keep wandering and drifting, and at some point you cross over a line. And on this side of the line, you could still hear his voice faintly, but you could hear it. But at some point, you wander so far and you're so distant, you no longer can hear the voice of the shepherd. And I wonder today if there are some of us and God is calling out to you by name. And here's the most dangerous part of wandering away from the shepherd. The most dangerous thing about not being close to the shepherd and not hearing his voice is that you can be in trouble and not even know it. You can be about to step off the cliff and you're about to lose a career or a reputation. You're about to lose connection with your kids or you're about to lose a marriage and the shepherd is calling out to you and he's calling you by name and he's saying, come back to me. What does this have to do with baptism? Well, I wonder today, if some of us have strayed and drifted from God like a sheep and we've wandered away from him and God's voice is calling to you and he's calling you to come back to him and baptism is that first step of obedience. It's the first step of obedience once you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says about baptism in Romans chapter 6. It says this, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that we too may live a new life. In order to understand what that verse means, it might be helpful to understand what the word baptism refers to. Because we refer to baptism today as a special event that has a spiritual significance in someone's life. But in the first century, when Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, the word baptism had an everyday usage. The Greek word that we translate as baptism is baptizo, and it literally means to immerse. In fact, archaeologists found a pickle recipe 
from the first century, and the recipe says you need to immerse the vegetables in the vinegar, and the word that it uses for immerse is baptizo. It's why we practice baptism by immersion, because that's what the word means, and that's what it symbolizes. And so Paul says this, he says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism. That's what baptism is. It's a burial. It's a death. A death to what? It's a death to your old life. You're saying, God, my old life of sin and wandering and straying from you, I want to leave that behind in a watery grave. Anyone here today need to bury something from your past? Maybe there's some regret that you've held on to. Maybe there's anger or unforgiveness that needs to be buried in your life. Maybe for you it's shame or guilt over something that you've done. But the symbolism of baptism is powerful. As you go under the water, it represents a death to your old life a washing away of sins. And then as you come up out of the water, it represents new life in Christ, which is why Paul concluded in Romans 6, he says, you may live a new life. Not just a new life when you get to heaven one day, a new life right now. A new joy, a new purpose, a new forgiveness, a new love, a new hope. You can be a new creation. I had a work bag one time, a bag that I used to use to bring stuff to work, and it was just falling apart. I mean, the, the strap was fraying, and in the bottom, I had some like cough drops one time, and I left the bag in my car in the summer, and they melted in the bottom of this bag. And then I had an avocado in there that I forgot about, and it rotted out and started seeping everywhere. It got so bad, at one point I was walking into work and I had the bag kind of banging against my leg. And when I got into my office, it was just a huge stain on my pants. And I picked up the bag and there was something dripping out of it. But for some reason, I couldn't get rid of that bag. I was just like, I just, I just like it. I just, I've, I've had it for so long, I didn't want to get rid of it. Finally, my parents got me a new one for Christmas. And it was great, it worked great, except one time I had it sitting in the passenger seat of my car, and my son got in, he was kind of putting it in the back seat, and he goes, whose purse is this? <laughs> I said, it's not a purse. I said, it's a man bag, son. I said, well, it looks like a purse. I said, well, it's not. Okay, it's a man bag that men use to carry men's stuff when they're doing men things. But here's the thing about that ba bag. <coughs> Excuse me. I wonder if that's an analogy for our life. See, some of us want to just hold on to our old life. And we don't want to get rid of it. And, and, and relationships are fraying. And our anger is seeping into our heart and squirting out into our marriage. But there's something in us that says, I just want to hang on to my old life. If only we knew the new life that Jesus offers. If only we understood the new hope and the new forgiveness and the new mercy and the new purpose and the new grace and the new love that is found in Jesus Christ. And you can start that new life today. See, there might be some of us here today 
who you say, well, I've been baptized before and I'm a believer in Christ and I hope today that you can celebrate with those who are being baptized and you would be inspired and you would be reminded that Jesus took all of our sin upon himself. And then there are others of you here who say, well, I've been a believer for a while, but I've never been baptized. And, And what are you waiting for? Today could be your day to take that first step of obedience. And then there are others of you who are listening to this message and you're going, I'm the sheep. I'm the one who's straying. I'm the one who's wandered from God. And you're hearing God's voice in this moment. And God is saying to you, come back to me. And you can do that today in the waters of baptism. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ and then take that first step of obedience to publicly declare your faith in Christ. And you might say, well, boy, I, didn't, I don't have anything to wear. I mean, I, I just came. I wasn't planning on being baptized. We have a baptism care pack for you. We got shorts and a t-shirt and sandals and towels and makeup remover and makeup and hair product, everything you could possibly need. Today could be your day to be baptized. I want to show you a video of two brothers. One of them had signed up to be baptized last year. One of them was just a spontaneous baptism. And when this is done, your campus pastor is going to come up and give some further instructions. My name is Cole. I'm 17 years old. I go to White Bear Lake South Campus. Uh, I'm a junior. I like to lift. I do track and field. I have a brother, Ren, and a sister, Cora. We're all, we're all pretty close. You know, we always have dinner together. Always super nice to one another. We play Minecraft. We play video games together. I'm Ren. I'm 13. I go to Central Lake Middle School in White Bear Lake. I play track and field, and I like talking to friends, and I play saxophone for band. I look up to my brother, and I guess if I follow what he does, I'd kind of be like him. In seventh grade, I was invited by a friend to come to Ground Zero, Eagle Brook's student ministries for middle schoolers. And I've had a lot of fun being able to talk to kids that can relate to me and situations that happen in school and the world around us. My brother attended Ground Zero before I had. And if he's doing something, I do it too. So I attended and I, I fell in love. For Revolution, the student ministries for high school students, we do a retreat every year up to Trout Lake Camps. And my freshman year, I had gone up there and I'd saw up on the screen the words, Jesus loves you. And I remember looking at that and tearing up because I realized that Jesus loves me, that God loves me. It was super life-changing that moment because I realized that I wanted to actively pursue my faith and I want to love God and Jesus the way they love me. Up until that point, church was really just about hanging out with friends outside of school. My sophomore year, our student pastor asked if I'd like to become a group leader for Ground Zero. And after some consideration, I thought that it'd be a great opportunity to lead and serve and grow deeper in my faith. I was introduced to the group I'd be leading and Ren was in my group and I thought that was really cool. It's amazing. I mean, we have more time to connect. He's a bigger influence on me, and I think we're learning about God easier. In 
February, 2023, our student pastor had mentioned the baptisms were coming up. And I thought that this, this is like my moment right here, right now to get baptized. When I came out of the water, it was a surreal feeling. I was super, super filled with joy and thinking about that I'm saved and that I made that decision for myself. I learned like a week ahead that he was gonna do this. And I'm like, oh, that, that'll be fun for him. And the day comes, I go and watch it. And out of nowhere, I'm just breaking down in tears. Like, this is important for him. I was walking out of the theater and my mom and my brother had approached me and my, my brother was crying and she had said I had inspired him to get baptized and that he had already signed up. The next day, I'm walking in line to be baptized and I'm just thinking, I'm actually doing this. I'm making a choice to follow God. Like, I'm ready for this. This is going to deepen my understanding. This is going to deepen my love for him. They dunk me under water, I get back up, and a sense of relief and happiness just flushes over me. Like, this is just such an amazing moment for me, for my life. I know that he's a brother in Christ, and it is really cool to see him grow and share experiences as Christians together. I think it's important for everybody to get baptized. After being baptized, my faith with God grew. This is just another step to loving him and being happy. I would say to somebody who's thinking about getting baptized, go for it. It was the best decision of my life. It brings me joy when I realize that I'm a Christian, that I follow Jesus, I follow God, and that there's, there's nothing that could take me away from that.